Turn around and grab your Bibles really fast. Just grab your Bibles. I'm not going to start preaching yet. However, I feel the Lord doing something this morning. So follow me upstairs. Take your Bibles and, and turn with me. We will be in this narrative of Scripture today at some point in time. But James chapter 5, um, James chapter 5, verses 7 through uh, 18. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 18. James 5, 7 through 18. I, I want to I read something. More specifically, I want to read verses 13. <clears throat> so hang here with me because we're not finished. Verses 13 um, of just a couple of verses. Let's just see where the Lord leads us. It says this. Um, Is any one of you in trouble? Let them pray. Some of your translations say, Is anyone in need? Then he should pray. Then it goes on to say, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Verse 14, is anyone of you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered up in faith will make the sick person well. Oh, hold on a second. And the prayer offered up in faith. Everybody say faith. If there's anyone in need, let him pray. If there's anyone happy, let him sing songs of praise. Oh. If there's anyone in need, let him pray. If there's anyone who's happy, let him sing songs of praise. And the prayer offered up in faith <laughs> will bring healing. You see, worship praise is more than just a space of time that we place in the agenda so that we can just sing a few songs together and stand up for 30 minutes. Worship, praise, prayer is something that unlocks the heavens on your behalf. I, I, I don't know if you if you fully grasp that. I want to do something for a moment. If there is a need in your life, you're sick in your body, your financial need, occupational need, relational need, just a need. You've got a need in your life. I want you to raise your hand right now. All over this building. Wow. Keep your hands lifted up. Let me see. Oh, wow. Wow, wow. Here's what I want you to do right now, right now. Everybody in the building, I want you to do this, okay? Um, I know it, some people are germaphobes, so I'm not going to ask you to hold hands. It's okay, but I am going to ask you to kind of link arms with the person beside of you. If you'll do that, just link arms with the person beside of you right now. Just put your arm inside of their arm. Hold on a second. It says, if there's any one of you who is in need, let him pray. If there's anyone who is in need, let him pray. If there's anyone who is happy, let him sing songs of praise. Because the prayer that is offered up in faith 
will make the sick person well. The Bible also says where two or three are gathered together in your name. That's why I made you touch somebody. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I shall be in the midst of thee. So right now at this moment, I begin to pray for healing in your body. For those of you who need healing in your body, we pray. For those of you who are sick, we pray that the God who created the heavens and the earth, God who, who gave you life, God who gave you the very air that you breathe, breathe will be begin to place himself, his spirit inside of you. And from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, you'll begin to feel the warmth of his touch. He'll begin to set every muscle, every cell, every tissue, every organ, every fiber of your being into place because he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. I pray for those who have relational needs and occupational needs. God, we pray. We offer up a prayer in faith. We believe that what we're asking you are going to do. And so right now, God, we call upon your name, that name that is above every other name, that name that is higher, that name that is more, that name that causes us to be an overcomer, that name that brings us healing, that name that brings us forgiveness, that name that gives us the courage to face tomorrow, that name. Come on, somebody, give it praise up in this place. How many of you know the Lord is in this place today? God is about to do the miraculous in your life because you just offered up a prayer in faith. Mm. How many of you know faith works? Faith works. We've been in this series this summer called Summer Remix where we are revisiting sermon series from last year, repackaging those series that were four weeks long or so and bringing them to you in a synoptic form one week, kind of giving you something new and fresh. And the series today that we're going back to to revisit from last year is Faith Works. How many of you today came? You, you can be seated. You can be seated. You can be seated. But you won't be seated for long because I believe God's going to have you on your feet. How many of you today, you came expecting to receive and hear a word from the Spirit of God. It is, it is not Mark's word that can offer you hope. It is the word of God that brings down the blessings of God. I am so glad that God's word is not contingent upon me being on my A game and my ability to pontificate because there are some Sundays that I might be off. But one thing that I know is God's word is never off. I may be able to give you a word that will help you in the moment, but God's word is not confined to a moment or to space or to time. And that's why the Bible says that he is an ever-present help in a time of need. That's why the Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we begin to make a sound, when the sound of praise comes off of our lips, when the sound of his word comes off of our lips, it brings heaven to earth. That's why David cried out. He said, God, hear my cry. And he says, you heard my cry and you came to my aid. Somebody in this place make a sound for the Lord. So we're going to be in the book of James today, James chapter 5. The series Faith Works was a series that was really a study on the book of James where we took each chapter 
over the course of five weeks and begin to look at what that chapter was saying to us. Before we actually get into the narrative in James chapter 5, I need to set this thing up. I need to give you the illustration for what we will eventually talk about. It's kind of out of order, but I'm going to give you the illustration first using another passage of Scripture. So turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 41. 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 41. Yes, some of you are excited about the word of the Lord today. If you're excited, somebody say amen. Amen. Somebody preach back to me. There we go. Well, in 1 Kings chapter 18, let me set this concept up for you, the concept of our conversation today. Some of you have probably experienced something very similar. Maybe you've gone to, I think you'll be able to relate to this. Maybe you've gone and purchased a new telephone. You've gotten rid of your old phone. And when you transition to your new phone, you realize that some of your apps didn't make the transition. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like recently, uh, I got a new phone, and when I got the new phone, I noticed that my apps were not there. So I went to the app store, and when I got to the app store, it said that I needed to download those apps from the cloud. Everybody say the cloud. All right, now I'm not the most technically savvy person that there is, so I'm going to try to do my best to explain to you what the cloud is. I go to the app store, and I see this little icon that pops up that's got this cloud and this downward facing arrow you ever seen this okay so you have to download what you've previously uploaded the cloud is this um this space in the sky that we cannot see so to speak this storage space where you can store files and songs and and documents and And then you can go back to the cloud and you can retrieve or download what you've previously uploaded to the cloud. So if you want to listen to a song that you've uploaded before, you can download that song and listen to it at any point in time. If I lose my sermon notes and I've previously uploaded them to the cloud, all I have to do is go back and download them from the cloud and retrieve them from the cloud. It's in the cloud. Somebody tell your neighbor, it's in the cloud. That's the title of today's sermon. It's in the cloud. So the more that I begin to think about this concept of the cloud, this invisible space, I begin to think, hold on, theoretically, that is how heaven functions. In that, what we have previously uploaded in prayer, God later downloads in life. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I feel like preaching. So, so, so I need to download some peace. Don't you wish it was just as easy as just, I need to download some peace. I, I need to download s- some love. I, I need to download some, 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 some help. I, I, I need to download some grace. I, I need to download some, some strength. I need to download some joy. I need to download some of that stuff that says, my God shall supply for all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I need to download some of that Ephesians chapter 3 stuff, Lisa, that says that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that I think, ask, or imagine. I need to download some hope. But something that I noticed, though, about the cloud is if I had not taken the time to previously upload something, then there was nothing there for me to download. 
you're not hearing me. So many times we use prayer as a defensive mechanism when we get into trouble. But that is not the only use that prayer should have in our lives. Prayer should not just be a defensive mechanism, but rather an offensive weapon that prepares our heart before the trouble ever gets there. Mm. That's where 1 Kings chapter 18 comes into play. 1 Kings chapter 18, here's what happens. Are, are you with me? He says this, And Elijah said to Ahab, verse 41, Elijah, the great prophet, says to Ahab, the king, go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. Hold on a second. He says, go and eat and drink, for I hear the sound of a heavy rain. I hear the sound. I hear something. There is no cloud in the sky. There is no drop of rain, but yet he hears something in his spirit. I hear the sound of a heavy rain. There is nothing there that proves or causes him to anticipate the, the rain, but he hears something in his spirit. Is that not how our faith works? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence yet not seen. Our faith comes by what? Hearing. He said, I hear the sound of a heavy rain. Now, first off, let me remind you of what's happening here because here is Elijah, the great prophet. There has not been the sound of one drop of rain leaving heaven and coming to earth for three and a half years because three and a half years before he prayed that there would no, be no rain. So there was a drought. The reason why he prayed that there would be no rain is because he was trying to get the people of Israel to turn their hearts back to God because they were worshiping the false god Baal, and Baal was the god of the sky. So here is Elijah trying to show them that there's only one true God. The problem with that prayer is not only did the drought affect the people of Israel, but the drought also affected the person who made the prayer in the first place, Elijah. If you'll remember, Elijah had to be fed by the raven at the brook called Cherith. Elijah had to be fed by the widow woman at Zarephath. In other words, God didn't shield him from experiencing the, the drought. He suffered the same things that the people of Israel did during the drought. But here, all of a sudden, Elijah hears the sound of a heavy rain. And he says to Ahab, you better go over there and eat and drink because I hear the sound of a heavy rain. Is that not how our faith works? Sometimes we hear something in our spirit, but what we see tends to contradict what we have heard. Sometimes what we see tends to contradict what we've heard, and we've heard something in our spirit, but yet we have not seen the product of change happen immediately. Could it be because what we have heard first has to change us before it can change what we see around us? Mm. So then he says this in verses 42 and following. He says, so Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. He bent down to the ground and he put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and he looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. 
But on the seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud is there. It's about the size of a man's hand, and it's rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab to hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Hold on a second. Because I, I want you to grab this. If you don't grab this, you're not going to be able to really grab what happens next. I, I, I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer. You're volunteering, so come on. <laughs> I, I want to act this part out. I, I wanna, and there's a reason why I chose you, because I, I need someone young for this, all right? All right, so here's what's happening. I, I, need, I want us to act out what I just read. So Elijah goes to the top of the mountain, and there's such symbolism here. Because the top of Mount Carmel, this place is called the mountain of God, the place of God. Elijah climbs to the top of the mountain, but yet he doesn't pray in the typical prayer fashion. It says that he doesn't fall on his face before the Lord, which we so often see in Scripture. He doesn't kneel down, fall on his knees like we see sometimes in Scripture, but rather in this uncommon way, he puts his head between his knees. He climbs to the top. You stay there because you're, you're going to be the servant. I, I'm going to pretend to be Elijah, okay? So he climbs to the top of the mountain, and he puts his, his head between his knees, which I'm not going to do just because I'm preaching right now. It would be tough to do anyway. But he tells, and don't think I can't do it. So, but he tells the servant, he said, I want you to go and I want you to look and see if there's rain or something that looks like rain. And I want you to come back and report to me. And the servant went and the servant went, I want you to run to the back of the church. To that door, run. You got to run. All right, all right. Come, 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 run back, run back, run back. Elijah's praying. Elijah's praying. Did you see anything? He said, no. Then go back again. Look again. <laughs> Elijah's praying, crying out before the Lord. There's been a drought for three and a half years. There's been a drought for three and a half years, and I've been hungry, and we've been tired. Did you see anything? Then go and look again. <laughs> and Elijah cries out before the Lord, God, I know that you're with me. You will never leave me nor forsake me. Did you see anything? No. Then go and run again. Run again, run again, run again. Run again. Y'all see now why I got somebody young. Did you see anything? He said he hoped so. The problem is that's only the third time. He didn't see anything the third time. I'm going to save you the cardio workout. He didn't see anything the fourth time. He didn't see anything the fifth time. He didn't even see anything the sixth time. But he saw something the seventh time. And the number for completion in the Bible is the number seven. And he came back and he said, I saw something this time. And it's a cloud. Everybody say it's a cloud. And it's the size of a man's hand. 
Now hold on a second because there's so much symbolism here. He says, I saw a cloud and it's about the size of a man's hand. Anytime a cloud is referenced in scripture, it's talking about the protection of God or the provision of God. Because the people of Israel wandered around the desert and in their wandering around the desert, God provided a cloud in order to protect them, to keep them from being scorched by the sun. Then there was a tabernacle, a makeshift tabernacle that was built. And in that tabernacle, when Moses would go there and when God would come down, there would be a cloud that would mark his presence. He said, I see a cloud. It's about the size of a man's hand. Here is Elijah who is praying, but not in the common prayer position, but yet his heart is connected. The posture of his heart is connected to the glory of heaven. Ahab is over there drinking. Here is Elijah crying out, did you see anything? This is about to set somebody free. Did you see anything? He said, no, then you better go back and look again. He comes back again for the second time. Did you see anything? He said, no, hold on second didn't James chapter 5 verse 13 that we read a few minutes ago say if anyone is in need or is in trouble then he should pray oh Lord did you see anything he said no I didn't see anything but on the seventh time he came back and he said oh I saw something it was about the size of a man's hand it was a cloud it was coming up from the east somebody's about to be set free Elijah said do not despise small beginning son because the Lord is about to do a download from heaven so you better go Ahab hitch up your chariot because it's about to rain there's about to be a download from heaven it's in the cloud it's in the cloud it's in the cloud that's how he could cry out before the Lord because he had uploaded the prayers to heaven that's how the Holy Spirit can drench your dry place because it's in the cloud it's in the cloud Somebody look at your neighbor and say, it's in the cloud. Is there anyone who's in need? Then let him pray. So what is the connection between James and Elijah? I think you're going to see that in a few moments. But in simplistic fashion, Elijah became the illustration for what James is teaching us in James chapter 5. Can I teach for a moment? Can I teach for a moment? James chapter 5 is broken into two literary fragments. Verses 7 through 12, James identifies for us the what. What is happening? What is historically happening? In verses 13 through 18, he tells us how to deal with it. You see, James is writing this letter, his letter, to all of the Christians who are spread around the Mediterranean. It's really a how-to manual, how to live your faith, how to live your faith out loud. And James understands that this will be the last time that he will be able to communicate with them, at least as far as this letter is concerned. And so James has this very strategic application in, in chapter five, because what he does is he goes back and he revisits what he said in chapter one. In other words, he closes the book the same way that he began the book. And he addresses this thing called patience. 
Because in chapter 1, he starts it out by saying that you must have patience. You must be able to persevere. You must be able to endure the pressure of life. Then in chapter 5, he goes back in verses 7 and 8, look at it, and he begins to revisit this concept of patience. Verse 7 says this. It says, be patient. Everybody say patient. Then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. Verse 8, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Be patient, be patient, be, be patient. Hold on a second. The word that James uses for patience here is the Greek word hupomon. Hupomon means to have staying power. It means to outlast what is coming against you. It means endurance. It means to go through, go over, go under, whatever it is that is coming against you. So when they read this, they see the word hupomon and they realize we've got to have some staying power. Huh. What is it that was coming against them? Well, historically speaking, they were under great persecution. They were being persecuted on every front, every side. The government was persecuting them, throwing them in prison for what they believed. Their friends were persecuting them, wanting them to go back to an old way of life. They were being persecuted economically because of their faith. No one wanted to do business with a Christ follower. They were being killed, burned at the stake, and all of this was because of their faith. That was the external pressure. But then there was some internal pressure. How many of you know that internal pressure sometimes is the most difficult? The internal pressure was like, okay, hold on a second. Is this faith really worth it? Because it seems like the suffering that we have outweighs the benefits of our faith. Am I preaching to anyone in here? Because we come to church and we celebrate greater. It's he that is in me than he that is in the world. But yet the world is beating us to death. We, we, we come into church and we talk about that if God is for me, then tell me who can be against me. Well, hold on a second. I can give you a long list. Hello? So here, James uses an illustration that they'll all understand. He uses a farmer. He says the farmer, he has to wait patiently. The farmer has to work the ground patiently. The farmer knows that he has to plant the seed in order to have the harvest, and he has to have rain, which is out of his control, in order for the harvest to come about. But yet he, he waits patiently. He works the land. He toils. He works the, the land. He's wait. Has anyone in here, like, ever prayed for rain, but yet your life is in the drought? That's what James is saying. When all hell is breaking out in your life, you must be patient. You know, James is saying, well, you, you know, you've, you've got to have patience. When, when, when It's easy for a farmer to have patience and know that he needs rain on his crops when he can see the rain cloud coming. 
it's easy to believe for rain if, if, if you can see over the mountains that there is a cloud of rain coming your way. It's easy to believe for the rain in your life. It's easy to pin these words if you're walking towards your destiny. But if you're walking the opposite way of your destiny, James, the best thing that you can do for us, the best thing that you can give to us is to be patient. Anybody feel me this morning? Somebody's about to be set free because some of you think that the reason why you are going through what you're going through is because the Spirit of God, the presence of God is not with you. And you're going through what you're going through, not because the presence of God is not with you, but because the enemy knows what the Spirit of God has for you. And the reason why you're going through what you're going through is because the plan that God has for your life is so intimidating to the enemy that the enemy will not let you get to your purpose without an attack. After all, Elijah had to go through three and a half years of the drought. He had to fight 900 and 50 false prophets of Baal before he could say, oh, it's in the cloud. It's in the cloud. It's in the cloud. Did you see anything? No, I didn't see anything. Well, I'm going to keep on praying because I know it's in the cloud. Did you see anything? No, but I believe it's coming because it cannot outlast me. Oh, did you see anything? No, I didn't see the first thing. Well, you go on back because it is no way that this problem is greater than my God. It's in the cloud. It's in the cloud. It's in the cloud. It's in the cloud, and this is a tough crowd. Do you know what kills our ability to be patient? You know what kills our faith? Do you know what the enemy uses to squash our patience and our faith? The comparison thing. That's what was happening when James penned this letter. And the reason why we know that is because there was this great persecution that was happening. But some of the Christ followers were complaining about how others were being persecuted in comparison to them. Like some were being persecuted more because of their ethnicity or because of their demographic or, or because of the place that they were born. And so they were like, well, well we're, we're being persecuted more than they are and we're living our faith out loud, but it seems like everything's fine for them. They're not even living their faith out loud and it seems like everything is good for them. And so James dealt with it in verse 9. Look at verse 9. Don't grumble against one another. Brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Don't grumble. Somebody say grumble. Mm. How many of you know someone who grumbles? Just raise your hand. Just go ahead. Just be honest. Raise your hand. You know somebody who grumbles. Tell the truth and shame the devil. Go ahead. All right. If that person is beside of you, leave your hand up. Y'all better not do that. Some of y'all are grumbling right now. He ain't funny. He ain't funny. He ain't funny. He ain't funny at all. But you know what happens? Frustration comes into play, and we begin to grumble when we begin to live someone else's, God's purpose for someone else's life rather than living God's purpose for our lives. And it's easy to do in our culture. Because all we have to do is click on to the storyboard of someone else's life. 
we click on to someone else's life and we're like, oh no, oh no, she didn't. Oh no, he didn't get that promotion. Oh no, uh-uh, come on now. What in the world? And then you begin to evaluate your life based upon what you see, what you think you see in someone else's life. And then you begin to think your life is not good enough based upon what it seems like they have in their lives. And then you begin to grumble. And the reason why you are grumbling is because you're living your life based upon what you see rather than what you've heard from the Lord. Mm, Lord, have mercy. And so you're frustrated because you're trying to live someone else's purpose rather than living the purpose that God has for you. Just, just go ahead and look at your neighbor right now and say, God didn't call me to live your purpose. Look at your other neighbor and say, God didn't call me to live your purpose. You see... We've got to stop judging others because it seems like they have more or less than what we have. We've got to stop grumbling about others because it seems like they have it easier than we have. And we're saying that they seem to have more at their, their disposal than we do. And we've got to begin to maximize what God has given us. This is going to set somebody free. God has planted you in a place that you need to wholeheartedly grab hold because God wants to do something miraculous in that place. When you stop comparing what you have or what you don't have, what is happening in your life or what is not happening in your life with someone else I wrote something down hold on a second I think you got it upstairs but our frustration comes when we try to accomplish a purpose that God gave someone else trying to use tools that he didn't give us access to she said it won't work It's kind of like I have a microphone and a bottle of water. The microphone has been given to me in order to amplify my voice. The bottle of water has been given to me in order to keep my vocal cord, cords moist. The problem comes into play when I try to use the bottle of water to amplify my voice or I try to drink the microphone. It's not going to work, and so I'm going to become frustrated because I'm trying to use something for a purpose that it was not created to do. It's kind of like my, my mother, who's got Parkinson's, advanced stages of Parkinson's. She had a surgery this week at uh, Duke. And the surgery went fine. She's just got a lot of limitations in her, li in her life. She, many of you know her. She comes to church here. She's not here today. Uh, but she's in a wheelchair. Can't use her legs. She's lost function of her legs. And, and really a lot of her body, she's lost the function of that. My mother could sit there and watch each and every one of you walk around and grow frustrated because you can walk and she can't. But she doesn't do that because she understands that during this season of her life, 
that her legs may not work, but her mouth does. And she uses her mouth to bring glory to God, even though she cannot use her legs to bring glory to God. And rather than grumbling about what she cannot do, she uses her mouth to praise God for what she can do and what he's done in her life. She's like the farmer who's waiting on the rain and still working the ground. She's like the farmer who sees the harvest in someone else's life and is so encouraged because of what she sees. Can I tell you something? The answer is... It's in the cloud, and that's how she can pray. That's how the farmer can continue to work, and that's how James wrote verse 13. James said, is there any one of you who's in need or in trouble? Then let him pray. Is there any one of you who's happy? Then let him sing songs of praise because it's in the cloud. The Greek word for trouble means a devastating place as a result of the enemy's strategy. But James says something here that if you don't understand the context of the Greek language that he's using, you'll miss what he actually means. When he says pray and praise, he's, he's talking about what's called in that culture a votive offering. The word votive is where we get our word vow from. In other words, what James is saying is make a vow before the Lord. Even though you're going through this difficult situation, build an altar to God and pray and praise. Build an altar to the Lord and pray and praise. Can I tell you something? Prayer is not some mechanical formula. Some of you think that it is, and that's why you don't engage in it, because you think you're not doing it right. But Elijah showed us something in his uncommon prayer because he didn't get on his face before the Lord. He didn't kneel before the Lord. He put his head between his legs. He did something uncommon. You see, it's not a mechanical formula. It's the vehicle that God uses in order that we might enjoy an intimate relationship with him. Did you see anything? No. I didn't see anything. Then go again. Because the answer is in the cloud. Hold on a second. In this instructional manual that James is giving to us, look what he says in verses 14 and following. He says, is any among you, anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Wow, but hold on a second. It's the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But then, hold on. Verse 17, this is where, this is the kicker. Look, it says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. (laughs) It's not that James is saying there was nothing special about Elijah because we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. What he's saying is that we are equal to Elijah. Hold on. Elijah has the same connection with God that we have. Elijah was a human being just as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Hold on a second. You didn't know you were going to get a workout today. You don't have to go to the gym later. 
Elijah climbs up on top of the mountain. He says, I'm going to pray, man. You know that the land has been in a drought. You know that we've experienced drought. But I'm going to pray because I heard something in my spirit. I heard the sound of a heavy rain. So I'm going to pray and I want you to go. And I want you to come back and tell me what you saw. Go. I'm going to pray. He said, hmm. And Elijah's praying, God, all I know is what I heard. And what I've heard is your word. And your word says that faith comes by hearing. Did you see anything? No. Then you go and look again because I believe that God's about to do something. You go, you go, you go. Because I believe that even though I am tired, I know that the Bible says come unto him. All of you who are heavy laden, I want you to go. He comes back and he says, did you see anything? He said, no, 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 I, I didn't see anything. Then I'm going to continue to pray and I want you to go. And I know you've been doing a lot of running, but I'm doing a lot of praying. And I believe that I'm going to pray. And when I pray, God's going to do something. So I want you to go because I believe it's going to happen. And don't you know know something the servant had to have some faith too because he kept running when Elijah told him to go to have you seen anything I, have you seen anything I'm gonna keep praying because I know the breakthrough is on the way I know that God can do something he said have you seen anything the third time no the fourth time no the fifth time no the sixth time no but on the seventh time he said I see a cloud I see the rain and what I heard is about to take place. What I know God is about to do. He's about to rain down in this place. It's in the cloud. Hope is in the cloud. Help is in the cloud. Healing is in the cloud. Breakthrough is in the cloud. Forgiveness is in the cloud. Somebody give God praise because it's in the cloud. Look at your neighbor and say, it's in the cloud. I didn't even have to tell you to get up. Stood up on your own. Why? Because some of you have deposited things in the cloud that God is about to download in your life. Did you see anything? Oh, I saw a cloud. It was small. Oh, Ahab, you better get to going because it's about to, to, to rain because what I have uploaded in prayer God is about to rain down on this earth 